What's up? Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. MLB What's trade deadline. What's up? MLB trade deadline came and went, LZ. And, yes, uh, it did. And uh, everyone's gunning for the Dodgers, basically. That's the reality of it, including teams in their own division. You and I were talking about the San Diego Padres a week ago, and I was like, yo, you got to be careful. That team is young and hungry and playing well. They got one of the best players in baseball. And a cl- clearly their GM must be listening. Uh, they can listen. They can hear our station down there. He must be listening because he went all in here in the last uh, 24 hours, basically. He did. Um, but can I tell you that I'm still ain't worried, that I still ain't scared, that I'm still not concerned. We got a five-game lead, and they got a bunch of – they made a lot of moves with guys who are inconsistent with the exception of one. Everyone else that they've picked, George, as far as I can tell, all have a dot, 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 but this year they were awful. So I'm, I'm, I'm not overly concerned. I appreciate their effort to make this competitive, and clearly a lot of these moves weren't about this season but about seasons going forward. But as of right now, I'm willing to say on the record that the Padres have not done enough to make me be concerned about this postseason. Ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, Greg Bergman, you are the baseball expert on this show. Um, the Dodgers would have to play a short would would play a series of short series, right? Because we're gonna have sixteen teams in the playoffs. Do you what is the playoff format supposed to look like here early on? The first the first round is a three game series. Ooh. Yeah, which that's is, scary. Yes, <laughs> any any team playing a three game series, I don't care who you are, yeah, you're the Yankees, course. you're whoever you are. Three game series, you lose the first game, and all of a sudden you're playing from behind. It's wave. It's very difficult. I'm not a fan, but I think that the the San Diego. Uh, come on, you like it, LZ? Well, well, listen, it makes it more exciting. Oh, I will give you that. There's no question it makes it more exciting, Greg. You may not like it because your team is the favorite, but it absolutely makes it more interesting. Your team is the favorite on the other side. You like it still? I, I still like it. It makes it more interesting. It, it may suck for them, but, you know, that's the reality of it. It's it's kind of like the Lakers in the playoffs right now where they had to wait and wait and wait to see who, what was going to happen, who their first-round opponent was going to be. You get nothing for being the, no, the number one overall seed, which is supposed to be the biggest seed that you can get, and you get nothing for it. You get, a, get put into a three-game series. It's silly. You get something for it. What? You get the you don't prefix, get number one seed. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. doesn't do anything for them. And not only that, they're going to go to Texas. They're not even going to be at home. Yeah, which is weird. The American League is going to play in L.A. and San Diego. It's so strange. And Houston is probably the, one of the strange. better teams in the, the American League, and they have to leave Texas to go to L.A. It's, it's so backwards. Yeah, it, it is. But back to my bigger strange. point. Yeah. My bigger point was there was nothing done by the Padres that should give you pause if you're a Dodgers fan. Right. Saying that it's a three-game series shouldn't give you pause because if anything can go crazy, it doesn't matter anything can go crazy. I don't believe the Padres have done anything this particular trade deadline oh. that has me wondering if the Dodgers can win this division or if they can come out of the West. Okay, well, they, they added Mike Clevenger, who is a 29-year-old right-hander, who I think is yeah. an excellent pitcher. He's a pitcher. fine pitcher. Um, you're talking about a guy pitcher. who was 13 and four with a 2.7 ERA last year in 21 starts. The year before that, 13 and eight, um, in over 200 innings, an ERA of just literally microscopic above three, 3.02, 207 strikeouts in those 200 innings. Um, 
he he can be a number one, number two starter on pretty much every team in baseball for the most part, outside of maybe three. Yeah, the ones, and one of them happens to be in this division. Right. So, But they're three and four so against I'm, the Dodgers. Like, you're not worried in the least if they had to face them in a short series? No. Okay. I'm not. Okay. I, I'm not. And, and it's not because I'm dismissing what they've done. I just know what we are. You know, and, and when you there, – there are moments, George, in sports in which you look at the landscape and sometimes you look and go, luck's necessary. Sometimes you look and go, the better team won. And then sometimes it's like, in the words of Queen Mother, it is your time. Right. It is our time. It's our time. I mean, listen, no I, I agree. Holes, but but no ba- flaws. I, th- I agree. But baseball is so random. So, so random that so many strange things can happen. I mean, listen, the Washington Nationals last year beat the Dodgers. Now, granted, they were great in the second half, but they weren't as good as the Dodgers. Like, that's a prime example of how strange things can get. And now we're throwing in another wacky layer where you've got um, the first round, now the Dodgers would face the eighth seed in that situation, which would be like, I don't know, the Cardinals, which is not – I mean, listen, historically that would suck. Um, they they should kick the Cardinals, but but I don't want to see them. Maybe Philly slides into that eighth slot. I don't want to see them. Like in two right, out so of three – Who do you want to see? I don't want to see anybody. Who do you want to see? <laughs> well, see, that's my point. You're so scared. Don't be scared. Come on. Be Luca. Look at him and be like, what? What you want? Don't be uh, this scared, isn't basketball George. where one guy can take over like that, man. You get one bad. No, listen, I, every every team that's in going to be in the playoffs. And Greg, you let me know what you think, since you are by far the biggest baseball fan on this show. Um, every team that's going to be in the playoffs, for the most part, has one starter that could win any game against any team. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, absolutely. For the that, Dodgers, that's it's Walker. A fair Beeler. assessment. So that's it. That's what you have to be afraid of, to Greg's point. You lose game one, then all of a sudden, you're you're really behind the eight ball now. I don't mind what the Dodgers have to offer the world. Because if we lose game one, game one by some fluke, our next option is the greatest pitcher of his generation. I kind of like that for us. Okay. What's the next option for the San Diego Padres? Uh, Paddock is pretty damn impressive, too. <laughs> Does he have a prefix that says the greatest pitcher of his generation? No, he doesn't, but he's really impressive, too, as a young player. Like, I don't think – I mean, he had 195 strikeouts last year. Like, it's not like he's some bum. I didn't say he was some bum. I'm just saying that there's something to be said about having made men, having scarred men. Yeah. You know, Kershaw isn't just a great pitcher. He's a scarred pitcher. He's a pitcher who has – been through it all, personal failings, cheating out of things, flukes, bullpen collapsing, being left in for too long. Like he's experienced every scenario an excellent pitcher, a fantastic pitcher can face, and he is still out there putting in work. And I'm just a strong believer, regardless of sport, that if you have a star, an all-time great, a surefire Hall of Famer, that has all the scars of the postseason that you could ever want, give me that dude as opposed to the kid that's got stuff but hasn't really taken a bullet yet. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, But I I still think that we've seen – look, 
I saw Josh Beckett as a child basically win a World Series. So I, I that's why I don't buy into that stuff necessarily. Uh, so okay, he was old. He was old, George. He wasn't. He was. He was. Two thousand three. He was a kid basically. Yes. He wasn't Fernando. I mean, he's not. He wasn't old. <laughs> All right. Fine. Fine. No, I hear you. Things can happen. I get it. Three game series. Things yeah. can happen. He was twenty three. I went back to look at it just now. That's old, dog. No That's way. Older than Dustin May. That's older than Dustin May. Right, but he. What I'm saying is, a twenty three year old pitcher it, it just went out and dominated for an entire stretch in the postseason. Like you could see that. Chris Paddock is that. He's twenty four. You know what I mean? Like you can have guys that could go out there and dominate, and that's what happens in baseball. I feel like we're bordering on the Lakers-Portland conversation. Why is that? Yeah, you were all you were the one loving Portland in that series. You were scaring me. I was nervous. I should have scared you, and I did scare you. And I, and, and as a matter of fact, I don't regret what I said because what I said was accurate. I didn't say anything that wasn't false, with the exception of the Lakers in six. They did it in five, but everything else that I said about the Portland Trailblazers came to pass. Nah. And I feel the exact same like way about the Padres. Like a game. What do you mean for a game? For like CJ a game. did his thing. Carmelo did his thing. Nurk was really good. Gary Trent Jr. is really good. The supporting cast of the Portland Trailblazers appeared to be better than our supporting cast, but the gap between our first two and their first two was too significant to overcome. That's what I said, and that's what played out. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> what is yeah. Yeah. Where are the lies detected? Any I lies mean, detected, Laura? Hold on. Let, hold on. Let, let's let the jury of our peers decide because Scott Miller is going to join us here in a second from Bleacher Report. He's their national baseball insider. Um, and yes. we'll talk to him about the Padres trying to scare the Dodgers um, in a second. But And George. Yes. No, I'm just saying, and they're trying to scare you too. Oh, oh, I see. I thought you meant like as in you had something else to add. Sorry, my bad. Uh, oh, so, no, no, no. <laughs> so, uh, let's I'm not go to, scared. Let's I, go to the I'm, jury of I'm, our peers. I'm Laura? All right, fine. Laura? Yes? I'm did not L scared. Did LZ not scare us to the point where he made it feel like the Portland Trailblazers were going to be like this legit threat? Did you? Am I reading the room? Did I read the room wrong here? I want to say he didn't scare me, but he scared me a little bit. Yeah. Just a little. All right. Okay, Laura. Yes. Do we, do we need to go back to read the text exchanges in which during some of these games, it wasn't LZ fanning the fear, but it was the rest of you recognizing that I wasn't wrong when I said this was a real team and a real threat? Yeah, but it didn't end up being a real series. It was one game. We all overreacted they to one game. No, they won one game. But they were competitive in other games, and that's the point. It were they? Game five. No, game they five they were competitive. Game five? Yeah, but game five they were competitive because everyone knew that we, like Damian Lillard wasn't there, and they knew they had it in the bag, and it just yeah. I, I don't put that that much stock into game five. Uh, Bergman, you were trying right. to say something. I heard you. What did you? What were you trying to say? The way that I heard it, it was the first day of this show being together, and yeah. LZ came out strong, saying that he thought the Portland Trailblazers were going to beat the Los Angeles Lakers in this series. That's what I heard. That's what that I is, heard. That is a, that is exactly not what I said. <laughs> At any point. That's the way you made it sound. That's the way you made it feel. All right, you know what? No, we will what? we will let the audience also be a jury of our peers after we talk to Scott Miller about the MLB trade deadline. Uh, Bleacher Report's uh, lead MLB insider, 
uh, and analyst. He will join us. Uh, he's very familiar with the Padres, lives in San Diego. Uh, so we will talk to him about the new threat towards the Dodgers, the San Diego Padres, and how those two teams could potentially stack up. Scott Miller joins us in two minutes. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Sedano and LZ here on 710 ESPN. Coming up in a bit. Got some interesting stuff on Kyle Kuzma and the Lakers that you're going to want to hear. We'll have that for you in about 10 minutes or so. But first, MLB trade deadline today. A new threat potentially for the Dodgers are the San Diego Padres, who they've faced seven times this season. They are 4-3 and three against the Pods. And Scott Miller joins us here, national MLB columnist for Bleacher Report and Turner Sports. You can check him out as well on Sirius XM MLB Radio. Um, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time. Hope you and yours are safe and healthy um, let's start here with uh, how surprised are you that the Padres made these additions, but also were able to keep basically most of their farm system intact? Yeah, more surprised by the latter than the former. Um, you know, they like this team a lot. They've spent the last four or five years rebuilding and they've tried to stockpile as much young talent as possible into their farm system. And they've reached the point where even though this is a whole uh, a wholly odd season, 60 games, you know, abbreviated, all that, um, they've been playing really well. And, and I'm sure you guys have noticed And and a couple things. One, you know, the, offensively, one of the best teams in the majors. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. looks like a generational type of player. And I think that what, you know, they, there's something, they feel there's something special going on. And I knew, you know, I thought they were going to go out, they were going to be aggressive and, and, and upgrade their pitching, especially because where it started, they, their first move, they got Trevor Rosenthal, the, the closer, having a bounce back season in Kansas City before they shipped him to San Diego. But the weird thing, and, and this is baseball, isn't it? The weird thing is going into this season, the Padres thought the one strength they could count on was going to be their bullpen. Right. And then Kirby Yates right. has bone chips. He's done for the year. Drew, Drew Pomerantz was out. Uh, Jose Castillo gets hurt. They're, the next thing you know, entering the weekend on Friday, they're tied, they've got eight blown saves, which tied for Toronto and the Angels for the worst in the majors. So they were going to get pitching, and then it catapulted from there. And the Clevenger Hall was huge and they, you know, the Dodgers are still the best team. They're the team to beat, but the Padres uh, think they've closed the gap. Did they close the gap enough to raise concerns for the following season? Which is what I think this whole thing was about. Like this season, it, they made some nice moves, but I don't feel a threat. But perhaps next season, in you know, 160 plus games, what they've done and what they'll obviously would do in this further off season. Um, could be a threat. Is that a good way of summarizing what happened? Uh, to a degree, although um, one thing I would say is they, they could be a – I mean, 
given what the standings right now and where the Dodgers are, uh, yep. it looks like they're. You're correct. It looks like they're not going to be a threat. But the thing is, as we know, uh, the playoffs are roll of a dice. I mean, how many times has the best team gone into October and not won it? And the Dodgers can speak to that, right? Because the, the seven consecutive National League West titles, and I think probably you could say at least you know twice out of the last three or four years going in, the Dodgers were the best team, and then they, they haven't won it yet. So the playoffs, despite the Dodgers being far and away, for my money, the best team in the, in the National League and probably the best team, in, well, I will say the best team in baseball this year, um, you know, it's going to be an obstacle course to get through the playoffs because, you know, even right now, Cincinnati, if they sneak into that number eight seed and the Dodgers end up playing a number one seed, number eight, and they got to face Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, and Luis Castillo in the first round, that's going to make a lot of people nervous. Um, so from that perspective, bring the Padres back into the conversation uh, with Clevenger atop the rotation, Denelson Lamette has been really good this year. Chris Paddock hasn't been as good as they hoped he'd be, uh, but still, he's got a lot of potential. You know, Zach Davies has been their best, cons- most consistent starter, and uh, Davies, who they got from Milwaukee, you know, he's now a number four starter. So I think the Padres could make some noise in the playoffs. And then to your point, next year, um, you know, they've they closed the gap over the Dodgers now over 162 games. The Dodgers system is still terrific and the Dodgers are deep and, you know, depth is, is a pretty good insurance policy over 162 games. But yeah, even over 162, I'd say, you know, as we speak today, the gaps close closed some between the Padres and Dodgers, as opposed to when we woke up last Thursday morning. A quick follow-up for you. Um, a lot of the movement that the Padres made was regarding the catcher. How awful was the catcher situation for them before, and have they addressed it properly? <clears throat> yeah, the Austin Hedges has been the guy like for the last three or four years that he's got a good reputation behind the plate. In this age of analytics, everybody get oh, he's a great pitch framer. Okay, fine. He can frame pitches. He can handle pitchers. He cannot handle the bat. Um, and they hoped he would grow offensively, and he never did. And, and catching has been a black hole offensively for them this year. So that's, to me, that might be the most interesting part of all of these deals the Padres made is the fact that they wholesale changed out their catching staff a little more than midway through this season. You know, Hedges, he was getting more expensive as well, so they shipped him to Cleveland. Uh, they, they shipped a young kid, Luis Torrens, to Seattle. So now they, uh, they've, they've got Austin Nola, Aaron Nola's older brother. That's who came back from Seattle. And, and Jason Castro from the Angels. Though That's going to be their catching tandem now. And the interesting thing is, you don't see a lot of change of catchers midstream like this because a, a new catcher comes in, he's got to learn like 14 different pitchers, what they throw and what they like and when they like to throw what and how their ball, how the curveball breaks and which way does the slider go. 
that's a tall order. Now you're talking to go two new catchers with what about twenty? I think twenty five games left, including today. They're going to have to learn awfully quick. Scott Miller joining us here, National MLB columnist for Bleacher Report, Turner Sports. You can check him out on SiriusXM MLB Network as well. Um, Scott, what move wasn't made that surprised you, whether it was a team or an individual not moved? You know, probably uh, Texas not moving Lance Lynn because the Rangers are taking on water. They need to restructure things. And there's a lot of interest in Lance Lynn. Um, you know, he's not necessarily a Cy Young caliber type of guy, but he's a very good veteran pitcher who, in a season, by the way, in which everybody's chewing through their bullpens, he can give you some length at the beginning of games. Lance Lynn now has 32 consecutive starts, 32nd being this past Saturday night against the Dodgers. 32 starts in a row in which he's thrown 100 or more pitches. So, that means he's pretty dependable going at least midway or longer into the game. Um, he's not expensive. He's, he's finishing up a $10 million deal this year. He's got one more year left on his contract at $8 million next year. And Lance Lynn was in demand. The Dodgers talked to the Rangers significantly about him, I'm told by some sources. Uh, the Padres, before they got Clevenger, they took a run at Texas with Lance Lynn, but Texas, I'm told, they were uh, standing pat asking for high-level minor leaguers. And as we know, the Dodgers, uh, over the past years, they refused to trade Gavin Lux and Cody Bellinger and all those guys when they were young. And and Andrew Friedman doesn't like to give up at least, you know, his top three or four prospects. And uh, so that was going to be an issue. Texas ended up, you know, holding on to their demand. And as a result, uh, both the Dodgers and Padres ended up, you know, not being able to commit the deal with Lance Lynn in Texas. Last one from me, at least, um, because of the Dodgers' interest in Lance Lynn, and that didn't come to fruition. Uh, were you surprised that they uh, didn't try to acquire another starter? And do you believe they need uh, another starter? Um. I'm guessing they did try. I can't believe they just had all their eggs in the Lance Lynn basket. My guess is they did try to acquire another starter somewhere. I think it just hasn't. Uh, the, uh, the 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 baseball writing detectives. I just don't think have figured that out yet. I, right. I, I can't. I you know. I think they did try, but the Dodgers also. I think they're in a position where they were only going to. I think they were shooting for high quality. They didn't want to just add to add. I think even given what they've got, I mean, you know, again, when you get into October, it's a roll of the dice because one of your studs has a bad game or does something wrong at the wrong moment. All of a sudden you're in a pickle. But that said, the Dodgers, they do, I think they do have enough pitching, especially starting pitching, because Walker Bueller is going to be better. We haven't seen the best of him yet this year. Um, I think they do have enough to run the table in October. It's just a question can they avoid injuries, and can they get their guys clicking at the right time? On a scale of 1 to 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson, how concerned are you that COVID will derail this conversation we just had? <laughs> I love the 1 to 42 to start, and I will say, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm well, now you're making me do math. 
21 is right, halfway so to 42. Okay, yeah. 21 is halfway to yes, 42. I'm going to say yes. my concern level, let's say it's about maybe a 21. I'm not overly concerned. The reason being, it is a concern. There's no doubt. We saw the outbreak with the Marlins. We saw the outbreak with the Cardinals. And, and this week, the Oakland A's are down until Thursday. Um, but I think this, we've been able to make it this far. Mostly, I think baseball's protocol, health protocols are working. And I think that, you know, we've got, we've only got about another month to make it through the regular season. And I do think this bubble you're hearing about is, I think they have to do that in the postseason. I, I think they've got to take the postseason teams and place them in Southern California. And then if you're going to place other teams in Texas, and, and that way it's going to cut down on travel. Because in the playoffs, you know, you're on a plane every third day to go right. to the next city. And, yeah. and I don't think they mm-hmm. want to do that. It makes all the sense in the world to go bubble. Normally, I'm not, I would never talk like this because you can't take games away from the fans. Think of the Chicago Cubs winning in 2016. Well, forget that even. Think of the Dodgers playoff games recently in yeah. October. You can't have fans support a team all year and then rip the playoffs away. But this year, obviously, there's no fans anyway. So I think we're going to get there because I think they're going to uh, they're going to end up in a bubble in the postseason. And I think that's going to be a good step, and I think it's going to be a helpful step. Also, based on the 1-42, to 42, real quick, in between trade deadline calls, I was up really early this morning, about 6.30. I did want to say, LZ, I really enjoyed your chat with Bozeman Column about breathing and uh, barbershops and all of that. I thought that was really well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Scott Miller, one of the best in the business, National MLB columnist for Bleacher Report, uh, obviously at Turner Sports as well. And check him out on SiriusXM's MLB Network Radio. Scott, thank you so much for this time. Stay healthy and stay safe. Thanks again. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. you. There he is. Uh, Scott Miller with us there. All right, so we, um, we went long with Scott because the news of the day is clearly – um, the MLB trade deadline. I do want to get into the Lakers uh, because I think that there is some stuff with the Lakers that we need to dive into. Specifically, the Lakers' third option, LZ, is becoming a talking point. So we'll get into that. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Sedano and LZ with you here. Thanks to Scott Miller, Bleacher Report, for joining us there to talk MLB trade deadline. I want to get into the Lakers here in just a second because we haven't had a chance to really discuss it. Uh, LZ, before we get into that, Scott alluded to your Chadwick Boseman column. Um, For those that didn't get a chance to read it, how would you best describe uh, or tease the column for people to read it? Oh, tease it. Well, it's in today's paper. Yeah. Um, It is essentially talking about why uh, Chadwick was so important in particular for African-Americans beyond just being a great actor. It's the spaces that he created on screen that were affirming and representative of the community and the culture and how that is sorely going to be missed. Um, and George, my friend, I was not only honored to, to 
write a piece about an, uh, a, a creative that I really admire, but then to participate in the tribute after the broadcast last night was really awesome too. Had friends hit me up and like going, oh my God, you're right there with Oprah. It's like going, no, they edit me next to Oprah. <laughs> I'm not nowhere near right there with Oprah. Wanted yeah. to be clear about that. Yeah. 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 Did you watch? Did you watch the broadcast? Uh, last I, I night caught or? it briefly. Yeah, I caught some of it. I missed you though. I, if I would have known you were on, if you would have texted me, I would have made sure to watch you and recorded it at least. Ah, uh, you you know me. We're friends. We know each other for years now. You have a sense of what I would have said. It was just really, um, just kind of like it was cathartic for me, and I think for a lot of people to to be able to just express. And you know, we were in like this weird place, right, with the show. Because yeah. the news like literally broke within five minutes of us saying "Have a great weekend" to the listeners. Yeah, I know. We it was crazy. We it, we signed off with Scott during crosstalk at like seven fifteen or whatever it was, and within a few minutes it broke. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't believe it at first, you know. And then first people started to hit me up, right? Um, because you know I also work for Marvel. Yeah. So some of my Marvel colleagues hit me up, and then I went and checked, and I was like. Oh, this is real. George isn't playing a practical joke. This is awful. 2020, I really need you to chill right now. Yeah. Do you think they should continue the character? Absolutely. Don't okay. you? I, I, I do. Um, but I think that, you know, there you can make the case to not do it in, in honor of him. But I do think that, um, you know, you can, like, there's been multiple Batmans, right? I think you can do multiple right. characters that can do that. I think, you know, it's going to be tough because you're always going to be judged against him. But it, it, it is, uh, I believe that they should continue for sure. You know, it's, it's so weird that you would say that because if you had asked me that question, like, maybe like four or five years ago, I would have been like, absolutely not. Because my sort of approach when it came to the Joker was that Heath Ledger dropped the mic, yeah. buried it, crushed mm -hmm. it, and no one should ever pick it up again. Yeah. And then Joaquin Phoenix said, "Come." Did a really in. nice job. So, yeah, he was great. Yeah. Yeah. He was great yeah, too. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I, I do think they should definitely uh, continue on because, and I think Chadwick would say the same thing if he were here with us that it wasn't about him playing Black Panther as much as it was about the fact that Black Panther was there. And you don't want Black Panther to no longer be there because he represented so much beyond just being a comic book hero. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I'd love to get people's thoughts on that. 877-710-ESPN. We got some time here before Kirk Morrison joins us at 515. Do you believe they should continue the character? Um, or if not, why Why do you believe they, they should do it? I mean, just to memorialize him. If they do, who would you suggest, right? Like, we can have some fun with that uh, as well, and even in a sad situation and a sad moment as the passing of Chadwick. But I like to celebrate people's lives, LZ, when they uh, unfortunately uh, are gone too soon. And I think that if you look at his career – you know, it's tremendous. Like, look at the characters he played. Look at the artistry of it all. Yeah, it was just unbelievable for sure. Um, yeah, I would love to see, like, I want to see, like, Dame Lillard be King T'Challa. <laughs> that's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. I don't know if he can act. We know he can rap. Uh, so, but, yeah, that he, is. That is... He, he, can, he can rap. He can walk. He can fight. He can, he can shoot. You know, I nominate Dame Lillard for the new Black Panther. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. Um, real quick on the Lakers, LZ. So there's some uh, questioning now uh, about the Lakers' third option, right? Everyone knows now, okay, we don't have to worry about AD and LeBron. They're, they're straight. 
Um, what about that third option? This morning on First Take, our friend Stephen A. Smith had this to say. Hit it, Laura. Nobody can stop them. They can stop the rest of the team, but they ain't going to stop them. Uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James will show up. They will do their thing. That won't be enough for the Lakers to win the chip, though. They'll have to get somebody a third reliable weapon, and the operative word is reliable. Somebody that is so bona fide and relatively consistent to the point where you get to take some of the load off of LeBron and Anthony Davis because teams are going to have to pay attention to them as well. Those things are important. But LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to do their thing, and especially if Anthony Davis continues to play the way that he plays. I remember before the playoffs even started, I said it was imperative that he not only show he's going to always get his numbers, he's too surreal not to. The question was, how is he going to get those numbers? Are you going to be vicious and tenacious and attacking the basket, being a man amongst boys and dominating in the fashion you're capable of? He completely wiped out Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside, made them look completely irrelevant. He patrolled the paint and turned, even though Portland likes to shoot perimeter shots, he turned them into an exclusively perimeter shooting team because he was neutralizing everything in the paint area he's got to be that man amongst boys he's got to play big in order for the lakers to have a chance to win the championship which i believe he will do but it's still going to take a little bit of help from somebody else that's the key but nobody's stopping him and lebron is it's whether or not they're going to stop the others um the others are a big question, LZ. I don't think that that's an unfair uh, criticism. Kyle Kuzma said uh, in his recent media availability today that his defense is a way of impacting the Lakers the best he can. He's focused on being their third best player, not third option. Everybody makes a big deal out of me being their third option, but to me, our team is not really built like that. He wants to be the third best player on the team. And I think that that is one of those deals where I, I like his attitude. Look, Kuzma more times than not says the right thing. It's just a matter of can he make it work on the floor, right? And I think that he's gotten better, I think, in the bubble than maybe during the regular season or earlier part of the regular season. But it, it, it is something that against the competition, as it gets better and better and better, you're going to need more consistency out of him. Would you agree? Well, eh. Eh, okay. I mean, and like we obviously we would, we would love to have, you know, Kyle Kuzma be that guarantee, you know, 20 points a game off the bench, like some other bench players. Lou Will immediately comes to mind, Jamal Crawford in his prime, blah, 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 blah. But I, you know, as you were playing the Stephen A sound, I was just really curious as to who is the third best player for Shaq and Kobe. And from a statistical One year was Glenn Rice. standpoint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, from, from a statistical standpoint, you know, it's, uh, it's touch and go, to be quite honest with you. You know, I'm looking at one year, Derek Fisher gave you 11 points a game on like, you know, 41% shooting from the field. Now, I know and you know and all the listeners know that if you were to ask people to list some of their favorite players from the Shaq and Kobe championships team, you won't be spending very long with that person before they mention Derek Fitch's name. Correct. Well, he gave you 11 points on 41% shooting. So if you're looking at this from a statistical standpoint, Kyle Kuzma is clearly the third scorer. 
you know, if you compare apples to apples. If you're saying mm-hmm. Shaq and Kobe is AD and LeBron, then Kyle Kuzma is Derek Fisher, at least offensively. He's not the defensive player there he is, but in terms of the third person, that's who it is. And so I think we get caught up too much in this notion of having a big three. Um, sometimes you can have a huge two and a lot of good threes, and you can still win a chip. And I think that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. That's how the Clippers are built, basically. Um, they have two guys, and then they have some other guys that are that could be third guys. Um, and I think that that's the difference, right? Like, I think that if you look at their depth, I think the Clippers' depth is better. But I think the Lakers have the 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 best top two, right? The best duo uh, right. of anyone in the NBA. Um, so we'll see. It is interesting. I'm curious to hear from the audience about this the the nest the need for a third option at eight seven 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 ten ESPN eight seven 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 ten three seven seven six. Let's go to Aaron in Costa Mesa though, real quick. What's up, Aaron? Hey guys, how we doing? Hey, what's up? Son? All right. So, hey, so I'm just calling, you know, and also shout out to uh, Chad with. Chadwick Bozeman, huge, huge fans, uh, my fiance and myself. And I was just calling um, because I believe that for a future Black Panther film, I think it'd be awesome to close out the character of T'Challa and passing the torch down to his little sister, Suri, uh, Suri, Shuri. And I think that would be, you know, so fun as an audience member to follow along um, her just being a tech genius, but then also becoming a uh, a bad, bad girl. Yeah, Aaron, it's uh, interesting you say that, and thank you for the call, because I did get into this discussion on Twitter over the weekend, and LZ, there seems to be a comic book uh, theory that has some of that, where she does become the Black Panther, although T'Challa eventually becomes the Black Panther again, too. You know what I mean? So maybe you can have both. Uh, you can have a new character eventually, but she takes over, you know, for a while, too. Well, the... The saga that we witnessed for these first 10, 11 MCU, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel Comic Universe films, you know, all culminated with the defeat of Thanos. And so the question is, what is phase two of what Marvel wants to tell? Are there going to be a series of one-offs that eventually connects the way the first 10 or 11 came right. about? Are they just going to be one-offs, period? Because I would argue that while it is nice to kind of think about Shuri as stepping into that place, um, I think that it would be interesting to see Wakanda um, in the early stages of its formation if they're only going to do it as a one-off. In other words, if you know the story in terms of the film where they're talking early on, father and son, Chautauqua and Chautauqua, they're talking about the origins of Wakanda as a country. And it's beautifully done, but it would be interesting to see that origin of the nation, the way we saw the origin of Chitala taking over as Black Panther. That way, you don't have to be married to any of the characters that we have seen in that universe thus far. And you can reboot the whole thing, but still holding true to the inspiration that Black Panther represented for so many people. Eight seven 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 ten ESPN. If you want to weigh in on that conversation about Black Panther, also about the necessity or the need that this this feeling that there's a need for a Lakers third option. Eight seven 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 ten ESPN. We're going to be back in thirty seconds.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Sedano and LZ with you here on KSBN Los Angeles, 710 ESPN. What you need to know, we will quickly give you the top headlines, including uh, an NBA game that is at the half right now. Heat and Bucks game one of the Eastern Conference semis. Bucks leading 63-60. to Giannis picked up three fouls in the last 90 seconds there, so he had to sit. Uh, it was Bucks were up big early, LZ, and Miami has come mm-hmm. back. Uh, not a great game by Bam and Jimmy yet. Giannis is playing well. Middleton not playing so bad, um, and I think he's the key to this for the Bucks because Giannis is going to need some help. Chris Middleton, 21 points already in that first half. Brooke Lopez, 19. Well, he's a 50-40-90 guy, uh, Chris Middleton is, and I know a lot of people – think he's a fake all-star for whatever reason but I think if you're giving me 50 40 90 and you're giving me 20 points a game you're a legit all-star there should be no asterisks by your name at all yeah um but he has struggled in the postseason before including this postseason so I think that's where the eyes are when it comes to that so we'll keep you posted on that game uh as it continues it's at the half uh some NBA news Brandon Ingram former Laker current Pelican named the most improved player are you surprised LZ or did you expect him to be the guy I expected him to be the guy. You know, Brandon Ingram showed us at the end of last season he was capable of a lot more before the blood clot situation. And you, I honestly thought that him and Zoe, statistically anyway, were going to just soar. Um, I'm glad to see Brandon not just soar but become an all-star and win an individual war like this. this is great for his confidence. And as far as Zoe is concerned, we could have had Jason Tatum, but I'm not going to get mad about this. <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually thought Adebayo should have won. He's one of, uh, uh, he's, he's, he's one of like, I think, four players or three players in the league this year to average 15, 10, uh, and 5. Um, and he's actually one of two players to average 15, 10, and 5, one block, one steal. The other player is Giannis. Uh, so I was uh, a little surprised that, uh, even though I thought it would be close, I did think Adebayo would win, but nonetheless – uh, he's playing in a playoff game and Brandon Ingram isn't, so there's that. Uh, some sad there's news to, to pass your way. Uh, we were talking about Chadwick Boseman a moment ago. John Thompson, legendary coach at Georgetown LZ, um, literally created the basketball program there and made it matter and made it a blue blood of college basketball during his time there. He passes away, and, and again, he was uh, one of the uh, – I mean, if we're doing like a Mount Rushmore of like – 80s basketball, right? Like, he's on it, right? I don't think there's any question. Dog, he had us in Detroit fighting each other wearing starter jackets that said Georgetown. Right. We didn't even know where Georgetown was located. Yeah. We just knew that John Thompson rocked it and that it was worthy of us to kind of represent it. But George. Yeah. He made it cool. He made Georgetown cool. Yes. He won his championship, the first African-American coach to win an NCAA championship in 1984. And I went back and did some research. 1984? Might be one of the greatest years in African American history, strictly for the culture. Right. Air Jordan's come out in '84. John Thompson was in championship. Carl Lewis in '84. 
The Cosby Show debuted in 84. I mean, there are so many things. Philly got his first mayor in 84. I read through all of this stuff, and I was like going, we need to give 84 some more shine. Purple Rain was released in 84. It's quite possible that John Thompson, to your point, is on the Mount Rushmore of great college coaches, but also on the Mount Rushmore of 1984 in black history. Yeah, that's fair to say. Uh, next, the MLB trade deadline. We talked about the Padres making a lot of moves to try to compete with the Dodgers. The Dodgers traded away Ross Stripling. Any thoughts? I'm going to miss Ross. Um, not his arm, <laughs> but everything else. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he is a fantastic Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's follow. Fun. Yeah, yeah. He's he a is. fantastic follow. Now, obviously, you can still follow him regardless of what location he's located in. But there are, now there's a potential that he may say some ish about the Dodgers now that he's gone, which will make him uncool. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And lastly, LZ, a report during the pandemic states that people are spilling more food and drinks and breaking glassware in their home because of added stress. Has that happened to you? Are, is, are these spilled drinks and glasses purposely thrown? or are they No, accidental? no, just accident, just because nerves... Oh, no, I'm throwing my stuff on purpose, so no, that's not me. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. That's what you need to know. Uh, <laughs> um, the Lakers are waiting tonight. what? <laughs> the Lakers are waiting tonight for the potential uh, for the Rockets to win. If the Rockets win tonight, they will play the Lakers on Wednesday. Uh, the Clippers are also awaiting the winner of the Nuggets and Jazz, and that game will be tomorrow. We have a game seven between those two teams. So that is where they stand at the moment. Um, coming up in a little bit also, we will have uh, shout-out to our friends at the Levitard Show on ESPN Radio. They create these montages, and they call it the Parade of Gas Bags. And they do this basically, LZ, when a lot of people jump on one particular side in sports. For example, in this mm -hmm. case, their Parade of Gas Bags is a bunch of our colleagues and friends all either – shooting down the Lakers, picking the Blazers, or mocking the Lakers very early on in this series. So uh, you and I may have some fun with some of our friends and colleagues here in a moment as Laura will play that sound. But before we get to that, um, let's get to some of the calls. People want to weigh in on our conversation about the Lakers' third option. Is it a necessary thing for them to have a third option on this team or a, someone that can step up as a third player consistently? That has been a discussion point uh, during uh, the talk shows today on, on on the network. And, of course, the Black Panther uh, topic about should they continue on with the franchise and how so if, if you believe that that's the case. And if you don't believe they should, why? 877-710-ESPN. Nick is in Venice. What's up, Nick? Hello? Yes, sir. What's up? Hey, What's up, Nick? Doing? Thanks for having me on. Good. Yes, sir. I was uh, just thinking about Idris Alba, maybe be uh, the next um, Black Panther. Great actor, great action hero. Mm -hmm. And uh, also for the Lakers, I think it's good to have the uh, just the, the, the two big, you know, big guys and then have everybody else contribute, be that team ball. Be, and, and the fact that you never know who's going to go off is kind of exciting for the game, too. Yeah, listen, uh, I, I'm with the. I'm, I like the Idris Elba. Um, what do you think, LZ Idris Elba? Um, Thank you for the call, Idris, Nick. Uh, uh, Too old? Uh, 
is a little, little, little I was going to say a little longer than two. Yeah. Uh, for what I think the franchise may want, because yeah. you want to be able to cast someone who can do multiple films if it's a huge success. Right. What do you think about the idea of M'Baku finally becoming the Black Panther after turning it down? And the in the first uh, Black Panther movie. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't think of that. That could be one. Um, maybe that. Maybe no. you can go that direction. Uh, let's go to Jacory. Jacory in Santa Ana. What's up, Jacory? How's it going? I appreciate you having me on again. Yes, sir. Uh, I just wanted to. I, I wanted to comment on Kuzman. Okay. As far as, as far as yes, Kuzma goes, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm by a busy street. I apologize. As far as Kuzma goes, Kuzma, I feel like has the same, um, almost the same skill set as bronze, but. You know what I mean? He's just a lot younger, and um, he just LeBron needs a lot of who? Time, you know what I mean? LeBron James. No, he just, he just, oh, come on, Jacory. He, hey, listen, he just needs more time come on, dog. to develop. Are you no, on? You know what I mean? You said no. you on the street. Kill. Are you on Crazy Street, <laughs> Jacory? I'm not. I'm on Ninth Street. Jacory, Jacory, Listen, hold on, Jacory. You and I have had a lot of really fun and good discussions on these on these on these radio shows. That I, I, there's no way I can tell you that he's anything like LeBron at all. Not not yeah, even in the least. The only the all, listen. The only thing is though, he he hasn't really had a chance to really start. You know what I mean? They keep on letting everybody start over, over Kuzma, and he not started really last year to do what he needs to do. He started he last started, year. He started. He started last year, but Bronze really wasn't on his thing last year. You know what I mean? He was hurt and everything. And Kuzma's got he's got this the way, skill set, bro. And he's a killer, but he just needs more time to develop and be like to turn into that real killer. That's all. I, that's the only thing I think. Adele right. and her Bantu nuts has a much better chance of being the next Black Panther than Kuz has of growing into the next LeBron James. Yeah, I can't even believe that he even compared those two. Kuz is like what twenty five years old. Yeah, yeah, LeBron yeah. LeBron was twenty five. LeBron there. was twenty five and already <laughs> going to his second finals. Yeah, like it's no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. I no. hear you. I mean, he's got – listen, you and you know me, and, and our listeners know that I've been on the Coos train for a yes. minute. Yes, yes. But, but ain't no – at no point no. did I have – that I was on the train thinking he was on his way to LeBronville. No, like, absolutely no. not. There is not a stop <laughs> at, at LeBronville. There is not for Kyle Coos. No. The, uh, the, the train does not get to that station. That's the reality of it. Um, I, no, I think – the same state. Yeah, I, I – you know, I, I think honestly, Kuzma's ceiling could be a guy we were just talking about. Like, and he'd have to get way better defensively to be this guy, even I think. But you know, like a Chris Middleton, right? Like something like that. Like, could should be what he aspires to be. He has really good smooth shooting motion. Right. So you're right. He could yeah. be near 50, 40, 90. Yeah. But if he doesn't work on his handles, which, as far as I'm concerned, he's not working very hard on his handles. He's not going to be able to come anywhere close to being a perennial all-star. And I thought he would be a perennial all-star in his first couple of years. No, but he's I not think that his anymore. Limitation on yeah. ball handling. Yeah. yeah, this potential ball handling. I'm like, dude, you're clearly not working on it. And it's disappointing because no one wants their number one guy to be someone who, as soon as a defender comes up to guard them, has to pass the ball because they don't feel secure in their dribbling. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, he just doesn't have the skill set. He just doesn't have that. So, Danny in the LBC. But thank you, Ja'Cory. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Danny, what's up? I'll tell you how to replace the Black Panther character and also uh, honor Bozeman. What you do is, is you have Bozeman's character, Black Panther, die in a plane crash or something. 
Then you bring the Michael B. Jordan character back, but he really never died. And because he's the prince, he can become the, the king. And then you make him the Tyler Nice King this time. And you never have to do no rewriting. Just continue with the Bozeman character as it was with Michael B. Jordan playing that part. So you just say, my bad, Man. like Michael B. Jordan comes back, my bad, I'm going to be good this time. <laughs> you know what? I, I, he learned, I thought, he black people all, I thought black people all around the world were oppressed, but now that I think about it, we all right. Oh, good. We just gonna stay here. Come on, man. We can't do that. <laughs> All right. Come on, man. Danny, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know all that stuff I said about oppressed people and where was Wakanda? I was just kidding. Just right here to keep it to ourselves. Come on, man. <laughs> Let's go to Heath in the LBC that too. That dude What's shot up? his girlfriend in her head, man. How you gonna change a new thing? Heath, what's up, man? How's it going on, guys? First of all, that, that last call you had talking about Cruz and LeBron James, I don't know what he's smoking. Pass me some down here in, L, in Long Beach, but uh, that is nowhere <laughs> next to a comp. I don't even understand how you said that. Um, number two, Michael B. Jordan, eh, that's, that was a stretch. I'll, I'll just, yeah, like you said, I'll be a little wrong there, too, so let's just bypass all the acting stuff right now. Let's get right down to Cruz. I thought Cruz would be a little bit further along. I mean, I think everybody was on that Cruz train, like LZ was saying. Everybody was on that train. But by this time, is he the third scorer? He, first of all, he has no choice. But like, like LZ is saying, he, has, he, he really has not stepped his game up in terms of improved from last year. I understand that the starting lineup going back and forth might have rocked his boat a little bit. But I would, I would think by this time he can at least give me like 15, 16 points a game. And he can't really even give you that. He still seems a little starstruck with LeBron. He still doesn't have that, like, that catch and release, that, that, that ferocity that we saw like last year. And I'm a little bit concerned with that. So right now, I, yeah, I'm sorry to say, we, I understand the LZ with the Derek Fisher thing. I like that comparison to Kuz. But I think Derek Fisher was a little bit more consistent, better defender, and clutch. And Kuz is none of that right now. Uh, yeah, he's got to work well, on I, all that stuff. Yeah, I think, Kuz, I think Kuz has the clutch gene. I think he's shown he's got the clutch gene. I, I think he's he not afraid. Shown, I, I'll say that. I don't know if he's right, got the clutch gene, but right. he's definitely not afraid. Yeah. He's not afraid. And to me, that's a gene. Because for some people, whether they're all-stars or not, as soon as it gets down to less than two minutes, they're, they're afraid. And people, whether they're good or not, when it's down to two minutes and they're still willing to put the shot up or be active, I, that's what I mean by the clutch gene. Not that the shot always goes in, but you're not afraid of the moment and you're not right. afraid of that shot. Right. Um, uh, all right. It's just that he's so inconsistent before the clutch that I can't even get there with him to the clutch. Uh, all right, at 5.30, we're going to make fun of all the people at our company, our friends and colleagues who picked the Blazers. We're going to do that. We'll have that audio for you. Coming up next, we'll talk <laughs> some football with Kirk Morrison.